And welcome to 2018. Well, we've been in 2018, but Ladies First is back, and it's our first episode of the year. So I'm Corey. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're finally back. But, 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 I think it was worth the wait because we're going to be talking about Black Lightning. Yes, the best we birthday present. We were originally going to be uh, back last week, and then we realized we weren't going to get any WLW content until this week, so we decided to wait just a little bit so we could actually kind of address some of it. We weren't quite expecting to get that much content. That was oh definitely my... a pleasant surprise. You know that that I'm going to sound like Steve Bush... Was it Buscemi? Buscemi? Buscemi. Steve yeah, Buscemi. I'm going to sound like him in that one little skit of... Hey, kids, the, you know, when he's in the high school? Oh, yeah. But I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. That whole thing about watering your crops. Mm-hmm. Like, I finally understood what that meant. <laughs> I finally was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so today is devoted to Black Lightning. Um if you haven't watched the show yet, you should really get in on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's on the CW if you want to watch it there, um, their app. And it, if you want to buy it on Amazon, kind of help support the show that way, you can as well. And also, you know, like, start tuning in. Mm-hmm. You're you're missing a really good show. I don't care if you're like, oh, it's this CW. It's a good show. This I, I'm going to say it. This is prestige TV. All right, so we probably should get just one thing out of the way with the CW drama. Okay. Is that you sh- d- just do not punish Black Knight- Black Lightning for what Jason Rothenberg did. Yeah. Because the CW as a network has, I mean, it's still wibbly wobbly, but most networks are. But as a whole, I feel like they've improved their storylines and listened to critique. It may not be 100% what we wanted, but it's like maybe like halfway there. Yes. Uh, Shahar wrote an article about this um, before the show came out. Um, I will link it again at the bottom of this post. Uh, But don't let It's on the CW be your excuse not to watch it. Because, again, I think this is prestige TV. I honestly think it's one of the best shows I've ever watched. I mean, if this weren't on the CW, I could easily see this as like... A Netflix slash FX slash HBO show. I honestly, yeah, I was gonna say, I honestly think it's, it's especially from production values, um, the show is on par with stuff that Showtime puts out or HBO. Yes. It's just leaps and bounds above anything else the CW has ever done. Well, and I mean, the showrunners, I know people are like, oh, well, Berlanti has his fingerprints. And I was like, no, you can obviously tell. The showrunners are the Akils, um, Salim Akil and Mayor Brock Akil. Um, they have so much experience. Like, they've done being Mary Jane, jumping the broom. I mean, these two know what they're doing. These are not, you know, greenhorns. It's the husband and wife yeah, duo. Yeah. They've been around the block several times. They know how to run a show. Absolutely. And also that um, it's... So some people say, like, Liz Berlanti's fingerprints on it. Honestly, I don't see it. Like, even if he were involved in the production of the show, 
I have to be honest, this doesn't feel like the rest of DC's lineup. It feels... Uh, it's not. It's its own thematically, thing. It's sort of thematically consistent that it is still a superhero show. It still deals with the same overall themes of that sort of the push-pull between your responsibilities as, I guess, a normal human versus your responsibilities as a superhero. So that overarching theme is there, but everything else is so unique to just this show. It's yeah. so different than everything else. I think the show that it's probably closest to is Supergirl, and that's only because of the framing is primarily it's primarily framed around the sisters relationship especially mm -hmm. in the first episode and that's why it sort of feels like supergirl to me because it has that sort of vibe to it but everything it's, else about it is so different it's 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 its own thing i think as far as berlanti goes like he helped get it to a network and then he pretty much like once that happened he was he pretty much just was like okay y'all do your thing I feel like he just he signed the contract and got it got the foot in the door and that's it because it just does not feel like a show that he produced because he didn't. Yeah, it's not his show. Yeah, this this is very much. Um, uh, it's just so good, and you can tell this is not a writer's room full of white people. <laughs> I, like, I'm gonna say it. Like you can so freaking tell that this. The this show is just unabashedly black and proud of it, and like from the showrunners to the actors, and it's not you know just black. There's, um, you know Grace who's going to be coming in. She's as best as you can determine in the comics and in the show. She's Asian, so you know it's it's a wide spectrum, and it is uh, Grace Choi, right? Yes, Grace Choi. And it is so proud. Sorry, I, I forget. I'm the comic book nerd, so I, you might have to stop me when I start going off on stuff. Um, yeah, I'm the, I'm the filthy casual, so I'll, I'll interject when necessary. But it is just so unabashedly itself, and it's not worried a lot about, oh, what will their white audience think? Like, it's not, it invites you into it, but it's not necessarily all for you. I think, yeah, that's something that really struck me about it, especially as a very, very white woman watching the show, is I I felt like this isn't made for me. But it's incredibly compelling mm -hmm. and accessible, and the themes are universal, so that shouldn't matter. But and also, the dumb, of it the, uh... actually, the authenticity of it really just elevates it because, yeah, it isn't made for me, and I like that because I want something new. Yes. Also, like, it's not necessarily made for you if you're white, but you can enjoy it all the same. You can learn a lot from it. And also, it's probably given us the best queer in just one episode, like, just seeing <laughs> actual queer people. Like, fully realized just, queer people that aren't, like, about issues. Yeah, and also just, I love that it was literally just a cold open on a year-long relationship. Yeah. Like, how often, that, I actually can't think of another good example of that. She's just, she's open. Her parents know. Uh, Anissa, her parents know. Um, she's just open, matter of fact about it. There's no coming out drama. Like, she is just comfortable in her own skin. We open with, you know, in episode two with that scene. Um, <laughs> but even like, it, it was like watching when you get to see straight people have a scene in bed where they're just talking about stuff. Uh-huh. 
I've uh-huh. never seen just something so I don't want to say normalized. But no, I mean, yeah, I guess for, it. you know, if you're queer, you haven't been able to see that be so normalized because normally normally, sorry, there seems to always be some kind of drama going on. Yes. Or that um, there's so much lead up to this conversation that this conversation normally happens in season six of a seven. Yeah, by the time they finally get there. I'm sorry. I swear I'm not picking on Buffy, but like, (laughs) it's sort of like, you know, it's it's sort of a joke about like the fact that a lot of these relationships with uh, women loving women, they take so long to develop because, you know, they have to make sure that the audience is invested and we Mm -hmm. have to make sure that they're going to buy into this. And there's all of this pretense, like, uh, you know, all this nail biting, like, oh, God, what if they don't buy into it? What if they think that it comes out of nowhere? And this show just went, you know what? Screw that. I know. <laughs> we're going to skip that and we're going to start exactly Episode where you guys two, want us season to. Season one, boom, right there. They've already been in a relationship. Um, and, you know, we don't know if Nissa is exactly um, as committed as her girlfriend. And I'm really sorry if I butcher this. So is Elizabeth. We're, we're both hard of hearing. So. Yeah. Um, Chenua? Yeah. So. Um... We were trying to determine if the name was ever spoken out loud in the Subtitles episode. Subtitles don't help us with scenes. pronunciation, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm deaf in one ear, so um, subtitles don't help me much in that regard. But Google tells me that the the name is pronounced Chinua from uh, its uh, Spanish origin, so we're going to go with that. There's actually even a scene with um, with uh, oh god, Jeff and Lynn, sort of talking about how they can never remember how to pronounce her name uh we're we're sorry we tried (laughs) but the point being is like she's her own person too and i really like that you know and this is already starting to see some wonky stuff because you know her powers are starting to manifest you know she's on her way to becoming thunder she broke the freaking bathroom sink (laughs) and like she doesn't want to she doesn't want to meet her girlfriend's parents. And this is the juxtaposition I love. She's uncomfortable, doesn't know she's committed enough to meet her girlfriend's parents. But she trusts her enough to be like, something weird's going on. I broke the bathroom sink. <laughs> oh, man. That is a relatable queer experience. <laughs> but, and I like how her girlfriend's just like, well, okay. You were having a panic attack. The sink was probably ready to go. She was just looking for a logical explanation. She doesn't know superpowers run in the family. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things is like the best kind of friend or girlfriend or like spouse or really just supportive person in your life you can have is the person where when you're in a shame spiral or sort of like a downward spiral of overthinking when they're like, no, clearly, clearly that sink was broken, sat on it a week before and you just you know brushed it and that was the last straw yeah i mean unfortunately that's not what is happening and no it's not what's happening i feel bad for her because she is obviously more invested in this relationship than nissa is (laughs) i don't know about that i feel it like anissa i find it relatable because anissa just has so much going on yes you know, she's doing medical school. She's doing the three days a week at Garfield High, doing health education. You know, she's got the family. She's clearly very close to her sister. She's very involved in her life. Like, like this she's girl's got probably community work. God, this girl's pulling hundred hour weeks. I mean, and I get that, but I also get her girlfriend's um, stance of like you. 
couldn't even meet her once. Yeah, you know, uh, shit or get off the pot. It's been a year. It's like, I get you're busy, but I'm asking for one hour. You know. Yeah, and, like, just sort of from Anissa's hesitance, probably more weight to this. It's just, you know, this was like a two-minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Although we did get a lot of information in those two minutes. We did, but again, I really liked how just natural it was. Yeah, it was very, like, I just, I love the joke where she just, she she has, like, this very, very cheesy line, and then, like, this is just cracking up, and she's just, like, really. Chen was just, like, you sound like a guy in a bar. I I can't remember exactly what that line was, but I, it was so cheesy, I cringed with her. It was, like, up, it was up there with, like, girl, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Like, it was just, uh. You know, it's it's like. It's like the kind, of stuff you, the kind of stuff you say in a moment, and then afterwards you're just like, oh god, I am, no, no. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, how to say, good to know, good to see that they're showing that um, queer women can be just as big as cheese balls. Oh god, honestly, I feel like we're a hundred times worse. Oh, we are. We are, but we never get to see that because most of the time it's about drama or relationship drama or coming out drama or somebody finding out that you're gay drama. And we don't get that with Black Lightning because Jefferson and Lynn are obviously fine with it. Yeah, they already know. And, like, they just sort of like, oh, yeah, she's at a girlfriend's house. It's pretty much common knowledge to anybody that Nissa wants to know. They already know. And it's just she's out and proud and living her best life. Yeah, and also that that Jeff is talking to a neighbor, the neighbor who comes by with the dog, which I love a, like, it's like, I grew up in California, and in California, you don't talk to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. But I did have a friend who was from Georgia, he was from Sugar Hill, Georgia, and he he moved here when he was a teenager, and so he would sort of joke about, like, how weird it was that people here don't talk to their neighbors, but that the scene where the neighbor's walking the dog, and he's just like, hey, I'm just here checking in, seeing what's up, uh, that was just sort of struck me as funny. Uh, but then in the conversation, Jeff sort of, he says, like, oh, yeah, you know, and this is that her girlfriends, which also says that she's out to the community. Yeah, like, she's just, she's out, and it's just, it is what it is. It's but yeah, not I just, this I love the way to do. Yeah, it's just very organic. It feels very much like you're being dropped into a story instead of having the story shoveled on you. Yes. And I'm not saying, like, Alex is coming out. They're... I'm not saying, trying to knock that. that that's important. I was going to say, also, Corey, we're the two biggest, two biggest Supergirl fangirls on the face of the planet. Yeah. Obviously, we're not we're saying not a knocking bad it, word about it. But I think it's also important, like, you have those stories, but I really, really think it's important that we get to see this as just, like, you know, when you say it gets better, we mean, yes, you, you're an adult, and it's normalized, and you can go about living your best life, and being you and nobody gives a shit yeah and going through the normal drama and really this is normal drama like meeting someone's parents is stressful yeah like, is, uh, if sort you of keep a... putting off meeting those parents then yes your significant other is gonna start being like yo shit or get off the pot <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's a very real like just just wonderful conversation. Like it's just, I can't possibly have asked for a better intro. It's not what I was expecting. It's certain, like it was actually great when it happened because I couldn't watch the episode live. 
but I was sort of tooling around on Twitter at the time, and the second that that scene happened, my feed exploded, and I was so happy, because I was just like, yes, I want this enthusiasm. Like, the enthusiasm that the women loving women in fandom that we put upon things, like, I would love to see that enthusiasm jump over to Black Lightning. Well, on the other Like, you thing... can do both. You can do both. It would be great. Yes. Because, like, and, and I'm so, and I'm really encouraged by just, like, the amount of stuff that popped up on Tumblr that popped up on Twitter. Like, it's great. Support the show. Yeah, the other thing I want to point out is, like, you talk about the intimacy, but also, like, the physical intimacy they have with each other. Oh, yes. Like, you don't normally see that. Like, they were obviously just um, finishing up. And then there's kissing, and, you know, they are not really clothed, and they're just laying in bed as, you know, it's tastefully covered up because it's network TV. But it's it's something I'd expect to see from straight people in bed post-coital. Yeah, it actually, you know what it reminded me of, funny enough, uh, um, was in Buffy with Tara and Willow, like how refreshing that was in season six when you just see them lying in bed together. Mm-hmm. But instead of taking several seasons to build up with that, we opened with it. Right. And also, I just, you know, super cheesy lines that <laughs> our community is really bad at and we don't like to admit, but you know you are. Stop lying to yourself. Oh, my God. We, no, we are a community of women who, like, write down song lyrics and pretty calligraphy and, like, r- like on nice paper and, like, give it to our girlfriends like we're we're a cheesy bunch we're a sentimental bunch Uh, well at least they got that part right um (laughs) yeah and obviously we're supposed to be getting grace Choi in uh the third episode and i'm gonna say this there was a reviewer i'm not gonna mention their name because i'm kind of pissed at him Apparently, women of color are just interchangeable for them, and they had seen the first two episodes and had confused Chinua with Grace, and then started saying that Grace was supposed to be in this episode, too. So, this is my one disappointment with the episode. I thought we were going to get to see Grace in episode two, but -hmm. that was based off of a review I'd read. Shahar had read the same review, and it was just like this... Dingbat cannot tell women of color apart. Apparently, <laughs> yeah this uh, this happens on a semi frequent basis, and it's very embarrassing every time it happens. And I'm just like, there's a giant ass blimp right outside my window. I'm sorry, I just looked up and saw it. Um. <laughs> Welcome to Los Angeles. No, and I, I, regarding the like not being able to tell people of color apart as a white woman, I could just say. You have no excuse to not just jump onto IMDb and look up the character sheet. If you really have a problem with this, you have no excuse to not go out and find this information. Uh, be better. Like, I'm not going to yeah. get into a giant rant about this because I obviously have feelings on it. But, like, frickin' be better. Yeah, I mean, and even, like, and even if it's just, you know, if it's a character who's only on screen for 30 seconds... You know, you still want to check, make sure that you're not wrong about which character it is. Yeah. Look, I'm going to say this. If you can put in the time to tell Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel apart, you can put in the effort to tell <laughs> two actresses of color apart. Yeah. 
Or, you know, Emily Blunt and whatever doppelganger looks like her whose name I can't even remember. Uh, I can't remember which actress it was, but she did a sort of a joke song. That was I'm not oh, Jessica Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Yo, if yeah. you can tell these white actresses apart <laughs> who are like fucking doppelganger twins, like demonic yeah. twins almost, you can we fucking look tell alike. women of color apart. <laughs> there is no like, fucking excuse. Like even like like the shape of their faces are different and their hairstyles are different. This isn't hard. Well, in this case, there are two completely different ethnicities. One is black, one is Asian. Oh my god. Yeah, and like granted they they didn't say the character's name in the scene where they're in bed together, but then there's another scene where there's Jeff and Lynn joking about how to pronounce the character's name, which it's clearly the name is not Grace Choi. Yeah. So it's not the same character. I know. I'm just like, another one. Amy Adams is Fisher. I can keep going. Margot Robbie and Jamie <laughs> Presley. There's a ton of them. Y'all can figure out who was who. So there is no, I am like super cheesed about this. I wasn't expecting to get there, but here we are. If you can freaking tell these people apart, you can tell apart actresses and actors of color. Yeah. Like, oh my God. There is no excuse. Uh, Unless you're face blind. If you're face blind, then, I mean, you know, more power to you. But, you know, you can't tell anybody apart. So, you know. I have some trouble with it until I know somebody's name. And so that's the reason why I suggested the IMDB technique. Because matching the character name to a photograph of the character is the way that I remember who is who. Yes. And I have to do this IMDB is free. Yeah, I'm like, I have to do this free. I have to do this with every show because I just, you know, like I said, like my, my ears don't always cooperate with my brain. So, you know, just put in a little effort. I'm just like, we live in a world where people understand that Nina Dobrev and Victoria Justice are two separate people. <laughs> there is the Chris's, no excuse. The, the Chris's, you know, the, the Marvel Chris's that we can tell them all apart. Yes. Tell, try to try. Try to tell them apart in fan art, though. That's always a fun game. Well, I mean, that's that's a completely different story. We don't have to get into that one. Um, All right, yeah, we're going gonna, we're gonna to skip over that. I apologize. Yeah. It was sort of a mean-spirited joke, but, you know. Uh, I can keep going with this. Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman. Oh, like, my God. They actually going. played. Okay, but, okay, so that one's funny because they actually played doubles for each other in a film that many people didn't like, but I did. It's number three on my Star Wars list. I'm sorry, I had to confess that because somebody will probably be angry about it, and that kind of makes me happy. Anyway, back on topic. Yes. Um, back on Black Lightning, let me retract now. I, I got off on a tangent. Um, yes. I I just... I really like what they've done with just making, like, queer is every day. And I know Salima yeah. Kill had said, you know, I'm not writing this like it's a special issue. I'm writing, you know, the LGBT community like I just see them. They're part of our neighborhood. You know, he has family members who are part yeah. of the community. So, you know, for him, it's just just going about your business. Yeah, they did a phenomenal job with this. Um, And can I also just say, at the end of the episode... With the robbery scene with Nyssa. Mm. 
I just, like, she's starting to have that panic attack, and then all of a sudden it just clicks, and she just freaking hurls this gunman over a couple of aisles and knocks his ass out, and all of a sudden she is just super feeling herself, mm-hmm. and just struts up to the counter, and she's just got the shit-eating smile on her face, and she just pops the sleeping pills down because she doesn't need them anymore and she just leaves and I was like oh my god I love you so it's actually that's actually a good point to talk about something that I wanted to bring up about Black Lightning that's not necessarily queer related but something I thought was astounding mm-hmm. um, the soundtrack and the score for the show is bar none one of the best I've ever encountered like the show is so beautifully scored it's the and then also just any music that they use is so well integrated it's so wonderful it's so connected to the plot like you have Mm -hmm. this problem like even dc shows like supergirl funny enough in the first season actually did this pretty well in that you had a lot of these um female covers of songs that are traditionally traditionally sung by men so you have like the um the cover of take me to church and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and that sort of fell off and that supergirl sort of started following that when it did use pop songs, it sort of started following that method that most shows do where, you know, like, you can just see, like, at the end of the episode, the little iTunes icon pops up, and it's like, here is the song of the week that we were forced to shoehorn into this episode because it is popular. I feel like this is Glee's fault. Um, But with Black Lightning, like, just, God, the soundtrack is so good, and it's stuff that I've never heard before, Mm -hmm. mostly. Um, I love that it got a s- intro song and not a score, right. because the rest of the DC shows have a score for their you know their their overture with the logo. It helps, but kind of this set it show apart. has a song, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's a rap song. In fact, the entire the entire soundtrack is rap and hip hop and Motown, and it's just it hits so many eras, it hits so many different artists. It's just oh, it's wonderful. It's a delight to listen to. Well, on the other thing, and I'm like, going to say this, it might be controversial. I think, because I remember when Luke Cage came out, and they were really going on about how they were focusing on the music. And I honestly think Black Lightning does this a little bit better. Because I, the music doesn't override the story. Yes. It complements it. Like, it, it is so damn hard to do a good like honestly this is hard to do in film let alone a tv show mm-hmm. um to have a song with lyrics match a scene and not have it distract from it and so like you know like i said before that the the take me to church cover in the first season of supergirl with alex and her mother sitting on the couch that conversation with the song in the background is a you know grade a plus example of how this is done well black lightning is entirely that yes all of Every- it is so well done Every component of this show complements the whole, I feel yeah. like. And I mean, yes, um, we're two episodes in, and, you know, knock on wood, this doesn't train wreck. But so far, like, every component of this show comes together and complements the whole. Yeah, and the, the cinematography, too. Like, there's, there's a very unique look to it. Um, yes. The show... It uses a lot of very wide shots. It uses a lot of sort of skewed angles where you get these very cool sort of things where they do, they use the perspective of these buildings. 
Mm-hmm. And, but it's sort of at a skew. It's sort of hard to explain without a visual example. But essentially, when you watch the show, the way that they fade focus in between characters that are standing in front or behind each other, the way that they fade the focus in a scene where the camera is sort of static, but it still feels very dynamic because it's changing focus for what you're supposed to be looking at. Right. Like it's, you know, like I said, it's hard to describe, but the show is just really fun to watch. And then when you integrate the fight scenes, especially once Black Lightning gets the suit, which, like, I'm a huge fan of Livewire because, like, shock powers are sort of, like, my thing. Like, this is mm-hmm. sort of, like, my like my little pet, R. like, R. if I were a superhero. R.I.P. Hmm? You said Livewire. R.I.P. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. We're just not going to think about it. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so, but the, the way that... The fight scenes are choreographed. The way that he moves is very... I know, it just... It hits. It's really hard to explain, but it's sort of like... Okay, so I know that 300 is not a particularly popular movie for various reasons, but one thing that the film did very well is when you have the fight scenes, the way that they use the ramping camera between slowing down and speeding up fight scenes is exceptionally well done. Mm-hmm. And when superhero shows do this, it's magical, but in a lot of cases, they don't do it. So it's sort of like like what I said in the Supergirl review for two episodes ago that the the uh, the fight scene with the with the Legion of Superheroes just sort of fell flat. A lot of it was because it just felt very static. It didn't feel like very dynamic the way that fight scenes could. Well, it was and, also like the last big fight scene you had for that show was Supergirl versus Rain. Yeah, and so that kind of like flailed in comparison. But with Black Lightning, even the Wimpy isn't the right word for it, but even, like, the most subdued fight scenes, they just feel like they have this really hard punch to them. And part of it is, like like I said before, part of it is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is phenomenally done. But it's just, I don't know, like, he just has this strength to him, mm-hmm. but he still feels like a man who's middle-aged. Yeah. It's been a while like, he since mo- he's done this, so... That's why no, I something like, I love. No, I'm good. I'm going to take the stairs. Trying to get back into this. Yeah, no. There's something that I love about the way he moves. Is like there's sort of like um, Iron Man versus War Machine. This is going to be sort of a funny reference, but uh, Marvel versus Capcom. That Iron Man is more mobile, but War Machine is sort of more like a tank, and he moves slowly. And that's sort of the feeling that Black Lightning has, where he just feels like this huge, like juggernaut who could punch you through 15 walls, but he gets winded walking up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like I just really like that type of hero. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on, though, like we're talking about, it's very obvious that the Akils have their own style. And mm-hmm. I know somebody had asked Berlanti, it's like, like, do you guys do anything? And he's like, no, 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 they do their own thing. We're just basically like, use our expertise because they do have the superhero thing on lock and like as far as stunt people and costuming goes yeah and he basically was like yeah you can use our stunt team and our costume team and like they kind of helped them figure out how to choreograph this stuff but they very much have their own style that they're doing yeah, and it's not just chore- it's not just choreography of a fight scene. It's about the framing of it. Like it's mm-hmm. sort of like the fight with Supergirl and Rain. The reason why that fight hits so well is the framing of every shot makes sure that you feel the impact of what's happening. And most of the DC shows can be very hit and miss on this. 
and part of it is budget restrictions because you know especially with supergirl because she's flying around or like the flash also has this problem where some fight scenes are excellent and others are just like meh and a lot of it comes down to you know there's only so much that there's only so much cg that you can put into a season there's only so much, so much time we have uh, i like that black lightning was sort of that he moves sort of slowly but he still moves like a superhero i feel like this is a nice compromise where we can still get these really epic fight scenes but we're yeah. not blowing through our CGI budget every episode. Yeah. I just, I just really like the style of the show. Like, what the heels have brought into here. It's its own separate world. And I, I really appreciate that Berlanti is like, yeah, no. Like, I know we've said the other shows will interact with each other, but this is its own thing. And I think that's the smart choice. Honestly, it kind of has to be. Yeah, tonally, thematically, this just really does not fit with the other DC TV shows with how closely this skews to real-world issues. Yeah, and it's even in things like how dark it gets that there are several character deaths within just two episodes. Oh, um, my. Lawanda. Yeah. Like, I, it's one of those things where you're just sitting there and you're like, I see it coming because I know what kind of show this is. And there was a... But then there's a part of you that's like, oh, it's a DC show. I don't know if they're going to go there. But then they did, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, and again, because... this is what separates it from the rest of the DC TV shows. Um, yeah. It... They don't shy away from this stuff. Yeah, and it doesn't... This is going to sound... It's not an insult, but it's... It doesn't feel quite so phony, or rather, it doesn't feel quite so... Phony's not the right word. It doesn't feel quite so constructed. Because when you have, like, say like with Arrow, when you have Oliver monologuing about duty versus commitment or things like that, it's a very different context than when it happens on Black Lightning. Okay, Oliver is a privileged white boy who has a serious case of mangst. Versus, you know, the Pierces who live in Freeland, who are black. Like, this is their everyday lives. They cannot, yeah. you know, Oliver can go do whatever the fuck he wants. He chooses to, you know, be like super emo Batman. That's his choice. <laughs> no, I like Black Lightning especially because it does this sort of, tor not tortured hero, but, you know, conflicted hero. Mm -hmm. It does this without me being annoyed by it because I actually believe the conflict. You because know, I you can have, see exactly like, where Jefferson is coming from and where Lynn's coming from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know because um, like if you have, go ahead. I was gonna say like with Batman, it's. You can do a very serious storyline with Batman, but ultimately your hero is still Batman. And so he can be, I mean, he is a, a beacon of truth and justice in the American way. Maybe not quite the way that Superman is, but, you know, they still they still share some same values. But ultimately, you're still talking about Bruce Wayne. And right. so when you take a similar sort of conflict and then you transplant it into something like Black Lightning, it has a completely different context, a completely different tone. And honestly, I, I prefer this because it just feels grounded in reality. I don't feel like I have to make this huge moral leap of logic where i'm like okay well this is for the greater good because that the da, 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 da. with black lightning i'm just like oh no i completely understand this conflict because it's very grounded in something that is 
oh, well, real, that it's recognizable that this is something that real people have to deal with. Right. Well, and I mean, Nefessa Williams, the actress who plays Nisa, was... She said in an interview, you know, and I really love how much depth they put into these characters. She says, you know, her character is basically kind of the Malcolm X to her father's Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, man, that is so cool. And you see this, you know, because she is just... You can see there's times where she is just really grinding her teeth when her father yeah, I just... is like, no, 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 and she sees this stuff happening. I mean, yeah, Jennifer's got her own thing going on, and I'm... Yeah, she's got her own thing going on. She's not as interested, interesting to me as Nissa is, but also, I mean, you know, queer, <laughs> so... That, well, okay, there's one thing that I like about Jen. I like her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like him so much is that, well, number one is when he asked her to be his girlfriend and she said yes, he says, like, <laughs> I relate to that awkwardness. But also that when she's visibly drunk in front of him, he's just like, no, you can't be like this. You can't do this. You are so much better than this and I'm not going to stand here and put up with it. And I'm just like, yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, Good. I like chance. that. He seems, so far at least, he seems like a fairly healthy influence. Yeah, it's just, it's, it wasn't necessarily judgment. It was more just like. You're better than it was, this. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I, I've, you know, I lost my brother and, you know, all of this stuff. And like, you can't get involved in this because, you know, we know it's bad. Like, you, you're so much better than this. You, you live this life. Yeah. And, you know, um, especially him, like, you know, he's a, he's a track and field star. So he's like, yeah, this is my ticket out and you've got your ticket out. And, we, you know, it. we're, yeah, we're going to be better than this. We're going to rise above it. Yeah. And I mean, there's just a lot of really compelling characters. I did want to point out really quick. Um, you were talking about the composer slash score guy, essentially. And it's Kurt Fark, Fark, Farquhar. I'm really sorry. Kurt. Um, but he's actually worked with the Akeels before. This is not the same guy that does the DC TV scoring. Oh, I knew it wasn't in a second. Um, he's worked <laughs> with the Akeels before. I mean, okay. No no slight to Neely. Like, he does phenomenal work, especially on Supergirl Legends of Tomorrow, but uh-huh. this is a diff- it's a different tone. Yeah, it's a, it's a different mean, show. This guy's he's worked with them on, like, Being Mary Jane. He's done, like, if we're going way back to the 90s, like, Sister Sister, Moesha, like, he knows the tone that this show needs. Oh my god, really? Sister, sister? Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Oh, How old are we? We just showed our age. Um, <laughs> no, it was, on, it, was, it was on after school on UPNs. I love that show. But yeah, anyways, getting, I just... Uh, yeah, sorry, back on topic. Yeah. I really like that each of the characters has some depth. Even if they're only on there for an episode or two, like Lala... Mm-hmm. Who is just, you know, a raging dick. And, you know, Tobias just straight up killed him. I, I really liked him. I was not expecting Lala to go out that soon. I wasn't expecting it, but I was kind of... This is going to sound weird, but I was kind of hoping for it. Because I sort of was hoping that the, the show would establish this tone. Well, it's and sort of, I... Go ahead. It's sort of weird. It's sort of weird to say, but like it's the reason why I was not hoping that he would die, but I was hoping that this tone would be established is because Tobias is absolutely terrifying. 
And I like when you have a villain like him and you just double down on how terrifying he is supposed to be. Yeah. And a lot of the... Well, and also, it's like, I do like how, I mean, it may be bullshit and he doesn't have those morals, but for him, um, he expects some level of, like, limits for his lieutenants. Like, yo, you shot a mom. That means you're capable of anything, including being a rat. Like, I already knew he was... Once he strolled into the jail, it's like he doesn't want him to narc him out. But I was also like the way he framed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he does at least expect some standards, if that makes sense. No, and that's something I don't. I for some reason I just like this in villains. I like villains who have a code. Yeah, because I'm just I'm sort of fascinated by the twistedness of it. And even then, there's so many different things, like, that code could be, you know, you shot a mom, this make this is a line too far even for the public. Yeah. You know, because a lot I can't of, have this. Because, you know, he's obviously a crime lord, and so a lot of that is maintaining control. Is that mm. you can't have lieutenants and you can't have yes men who are going to go off the rails. You have to make sure that you know exactly what they're doing, exactly where they are. And you need to make sure that if you tell them to do something, they're going to do it. Or you tell them to not do something, they're not going to do it. Yeah, I... I just... He is so layered. Like, he is terrifying. And there is a lot of internalized self-hate there. Yeah. But Which the, the, the line... The line that I will not repeat, because I shouldn't... Um, yeah, but I know what you're he, talking about. Yeah, d- yeah. Um, we don't yeah, get it's, to repeat it's that. Inter- internalized hate. Yeah, it's we can't say it. It's essentially what it's dealing with is sort of the. Um, it's when you have negative stereotypes that you internalize and adapt into your own. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, and the show deals a lot. The show actually touches all this in a couple of different areas, or even the. Um, the police contact uh, Inspector Henderson that he went uh, and Jeff is like, well, you couldn't talk her about Loana's if you couldn't talk her into leaving. He's like, no, she called me an Uncle Tom. Mm. And I I just li- I like the phrasing because it, I don't know, it just, it communicates a lot in just one sentence even for, even for someone like me. A very, you know, I I couldn't understand this on a personal level, but just the, I know, I just I really liked that line. Mm-hmm. I don't know that whole that whole situation was so messed up because there wasn't a right answer. Well, but that's what I really like about Black Lightning is there's not always going to be a right answer. I like that the moral ambiguity of the show does not hinge upon the hero deciding whether or not killing someone is moral and the hero is someone like Oliver. Yeah. Like, it's sort of hard to articulate, but there's like there's a big difference between someone like Oliver debating whether or not it's moral to kill 
somebody, and then you have Black Lightning, who is debating this the same issue, that there's so many things that he has to consider that Oliver would not. Mm-hmm. And the show is very much not shy about dealing with this, especially in the ways that where Jeff has interfered and the police chief knows that something is up. He doesn't know exactly what's up, but he knows that something is up. Right. And so, he, like, and even just, I love the way they bounce off of each other. Like, you can see the conflict where, like, they both clearly want to help, but they're both bound by protocol. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and you can see where he's coming from, because on in his head, it's probably like, I am one match away from this city just becoming a bloodbath. Yeah. And the last thing I need is this vigilante showing up again and stirring things up. But at the same time, you know. Nothing's getting done. Yeah. Like, no, that's what like, like, no, because the core, the core element of a vigilante hero is that the, in order for this type of hero to work, you have to, it has to exist in a universe where the police actually are powerless. Where the system is broken. So this show, when you, when it's the same with like, with Luke Cage, where when you take this narrative and present it in this light, it has so much more weight to it. Mm-hmm. Because you had, to, I don't know, just, there's so many more angles to come at it from. It just, I guess, it just doesn't feel like I'm being spoon answer. And that's like it, again, like I said, it's something that's sort of hard to articulate. But with a lot of conflicts with superhero shows, you have this problem really being presented a moral choice, but the moral choice isn't actually a choice. There is a very clear right and wrong answer. There right. might be a somewhat gray answer, and sometimes the hero chooses that answer, but ultimately, the path forward is very clear. With Black Lightning, that's not the case. Yeah, there's a lot of gray. Like, you can definitely see, like, what side is right, but how to go about doing that right thing is super gray. Does that make sense? Yes. So, I mean, like, it's like, you know... um, saying, you know, um, when the Festus Williams was saying, yeah, my character's a Malcolm X to my dad's Martin Luther King. And, you know, in this week's episode, Jefferson tries quoting Martin Luther King to that group of parents assembled at the school, and one of the parents stands up, he's like, yeah, and they shot him in the head. You know? If some of us aren't free, then none of us are free. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, even just that is going to be, I think, a clash. Yeah. Or even just something that funny, like, you know, some, like, like I said before, someone who's very, uh, very white, something that is really taboo to talk about. Mm hmm. Like, it's sort of like the, the, the way that. The way that I was taught the civil rights movement was very much a, this happened and this happened and then it ended and that's it, the end, goodbye. And it wasn't until I got to college where I took classes where I realized, oh, every single word that I was taught before 
But I like that the show takes the stance directly from the start because there's no point in sugarcoating it. Right. I mean, it like, is what it is. It's reality. Yeah. And it's like, well, Dr. Bl- Dr. Martin Luther King said this. Like, yes, and then they shot him. Like, yes, that is that is correct. Same with Malcolm X. Yeah, so, I mean... Like I said, you could see where the right end result is, but the way to get there is gray. You know, Lynn doesn't want Black Lightning to come back. Jefferson's debating. is like, I don't know that the city's going to be safe if I don't come back. Yep. And then there's also that Lynn is a neuroscientist and that she sees his need to help as being pathological, as being an addiction. Which I find particularly fascinating because I don't necessarily think that she's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's I just don't... a matter of... De- it's a matter of deciding whether or not that matters. Is what he is doing more important than the effects it's going to have on him? Right. And I don't even necessarily know that it may be an addiction. I don't think... I wouldn't call it an addiction. I don't think what it does to him afterwards is great. No. Which is the reason why she sees it that way, that she sees it as a pathological addiction, is that it has similar effects to a more traditional addiction. Maybe not drugs and alcohol. Or actually, no. Because she did, actually, in the flashback, compare him to a a drug addict. Mm -hmm. Because that's how she sees him. And I can kind of... I can see how she would feel that way. That his need to do this is so strong that it feels like an addiction. It feels like something that is overpowering everything else. His need to be there for his family to be a father. And like, yeah, I absolutely understand why Lynn felt the way she did and why they're only just patching things up now and that's not going great. Yeah. And especially once he starts doing this again. Yeah, and it's also like, it's the other things too, just that the, the language that he uses when he's talking about what he does. It's like, okay, it's just this one more thing and then it's done. It's just this one more thing and then it's done. Oh, it's just this one more thing and it's done. And that's, mm-hmm. especially for someone who's a neuroscientist and who would have a big background in that and then psychology, that's tr- absolutely 100% traditional addict talk. Like, I Just one more hit and I'm done. That's it. Like, I'm totally in control. I'm totally in control of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I there are definitely red flags. And... Yeah, and even then, outside of that, she's perfectly within her rights to be afraid that the father of her children is going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she even says, I don't want my girls to grow up without a father. Yep. So... And then the conflict between the good he can do is Black Lightning versus the good he can do is the principal of that high school. And then rectifying the conflict in which that he can do good as both. Yes. And I mean, we're only two episodes in, so I'm sure that this is going to get further developed. But they've set up a very compelling story. Well, everything I have seen so far has just absolutely blown my mind. Like I, I said at the beginning of this, this to me is... 
prestige TV. Yeah. It's it's slick, it's clean, it's new, it's fresh, it's this is gonna sound really trite, provocative and brave. Yes. But there's really no other words for it because that's exactly what it is. It doesn't shy away from the issues that it's trying to cover. It doesn't do that thing that a lot of DC shows do where they have to cover a social issue but they also have to sort of cover all sides of it or they have to sort of couch it or bury it in some other context in order to make the point that they're trying to make. But Black Lightning doesn't do that. It just makes the point it wants to make exactly in the real world context that it would have happened in. Mm-hmm. And that's really what makes the show stand out is that it's so grounded in reality. Right. I mean, just you need to be watching the show. I'm sorry. Y- yeah, you should. Be you need watching to watch the show. Like, bar none, this is probably one of the best shows on TV right now, and we're only two episodes in. Again, there is so much potential coming up with Grace. Um, obviously, they will be going there, so it'll be interesting to see where this fallout is with Chenua because I mean, she she hasn't done anything wrong. No. But they kind of laid it out. It's like, yeah, she's not going to be the one. Yeah, it's the... Oh, man, that's awful. It's sort of the exquisite pain of it being the right relationship at the wrong time. That you could be really good with somebody, but other factors will just make it not work out. Yeah. I mean, just... Uh, it's kind of, I'm going to say this, and it's opening up a can of worms. Um, Sanders? Mm-hmm. How that relationship ended, just sometimes they end. It doesn't work out. And I do think that this is something our community has a serious lack of representation on, is how you see relationships end in a semi-healthy to healthy way of, you know, nobody dies, there's not some big life-shattering event, it's just, yeah, then we're the one. No, and that's, that's really, like, my, my main thing for what I want, what I want queer representation to start moving into, is that we've got the coming out stories, and we've got, you know, the establishing a coming out story. What I want is more of these relationships that don't quite work out. And the reason why I want this is because, especially, like, you see in fandom and you see in trends of fan art and trends of fan fiction especially that there is this sort of very heavy pressure for every relationship to work out because typically when you have a queer relationship on television, there is one and only one. There may be one before, like, one short one or, like, one, like, little side thing, but, like, Ultimately, it's one person, and that's just not how relationships work in real life. No, and and this is, again, what I think we've had a, it's been a huge disservice, and we have a huge lack of representation as far as, like, you are going to have more than one relationship in your life. Yeah, I want the 30s, I want the late 20s to early 30s, well, clusterfuck, for lack of a better word, um... I want to see people who had been through relationships in their early 20s and who get to their late 20s to early 30s and now know what it is that they expect. 
mm-hmm. you know, like straight couples. Like, like it's just it's again, it's sort of like the getting up to air quotes their level um, of representation would be getting to the point where we can have these several relationships that are kind of non-starters or they don't work out or they last a season or two and then another character is introduced. But now that we're um, keeping these characters alive long enough for this to happen, I want to see this happen. Yes. Uh, And this is a good show for it. it, This is a good show for it. I still think Supergirl was a good show for it. It's just, unfortunately, it was the show that had to rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how else to just come out and say this, but we need more healthy breakups. Yeah, we do. You know, and healthy we, relationships. Yeah, we need more healthy relationships, but we also need to show that. Yeah, you know what? It's gonna happen from time to time. Yeah, and especially like like with the age that Anissa's at, like you know she's. By early 20s uh but she's also you know she's in college and she's doing all this other stuff and like really like your early to mid 20s are like one it's really a hard time to date because you change so much because of all of the things that you experience in this time period it's mm-hmm. you know it's with relationships that happen in this time period either you grow together or you grow apart right and i want to see more of the growing apart aspect because most of what we have is the growing together and while I like having both of these things we also need to have a better sort of cultural lexicon within the queer community of how to deal with a relationship that is okay for right now but not a forever relationship like okay so uh, there's a quote from Sex in the City like I know but um, it's you don't look for Mr. Right you look for Mr. Right now and right. if he is Mr. Right, then that now will fade away. If it's Mr. And now, then the Mr. Right part will start becoming apparent. It's not. Exactly. Like, it just, yeah, you will know. But that's sort of the approach you have to go with. You have to go into these things thinking, okay, it could work out. It could not. But I need to be open to both options. Right. And... I think that's the stickler, though. You have to be open to the other option. Yep. The, um, it's not going to work out. And I think, you know, this is why it was so painful for Sanders was, again, it kind of had to rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, well, it's the worst, the... (laughs) Have you ever heard the saying, a good compromise leaves everybody mad? Yes. This is sort of the relationship equivalent to it, is that it's going to suck for everybody, but ultimately, it's the best decision. Yes. Um... I don't know how else to say it, but it's like, we got to get used to this stuff because it's a yeah. part of our life. And I like that Black Lightning is taking that another step forward. Anyways, um, we need to wrap up because we are starting to oh, go geez. over time. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, we have thoughts and feelings on things. Um, yeah, but it's, a, you know, it's it's a great show, and I think it's a great addition, despite the fact that it is considered separate from the DC Pantheon, I think it's a good addition to the DC Pantheon, because yes. it's still a part of it, and it's still, despite everything about it that is different, it still feels like it's part of the set, and that is really just a phenomenal accomplishment, mm-hmm. that you can have, you know, you have... What is it? Five different shows. You have Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Black Lightning. And despite the fact that all these shows have drastically different settings, drastically different tones, uh, drastically different casts, they have different dynamics, and they all just still feel like they're part of the same world. So even though Black Lightning feels so different, it still feels like, I don't know if they would do it, but if they chose to include Black Lightning in a crossover event, it wouldn't feel weird. Yeah. Point being, watch the show. <laughs> yeah, watch the damn show. Um, like I know it's the C. I know it's the CW. Suck it up. And also, like the you don't have to watch it live. You can watch it on the app. Like it doesn't count. Like well, honestly, like viewership doesn't really count unless you have a Nielsen box. But the online stats actually they do watch those. So the the show the episodes go up about. Um, I actually work a night audit shift, so I'm up all night. Uh, the episodes go up about like two or three a.m. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have to wait like a week to see the current episode. They're up. Yeah. And also, just... um, a side note, the uh, the app is not necessarily region coded. I know because I was able to use it out of the country, um, despite the desktop app not working. So just an FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> if you want to if you want to watch the show in Canada, the the app works. <laughs> Yeah, and it was thank you for being patient uh, while we finally made our 2018 debut. Um, we're excited for the rest of the year. Um, I'm going to wrap this up because we are seriously over time. But yes. thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, just check us out on iTunes. Um, you know, drop what you think about Black Lightning in the comments below. We love hearing from you guys. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts. Um the Fundamentalist, Unabashed Book Snobbery, and Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. And yep. I think that's going to be it for us tonight. <laughs> yep. All right. You guys have a good one. We'll see you next time. See you next time.